Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. That was a pretty big admission. Give the 49ers credit in this thing. I think it's a tribute to their organization that they've admitted they've made a mistake. And that is the greatest thing you can do. Because we all make them. It's when you kind of cling to them and you won't let them go. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And we got a fun episode for you guys here planned on the GM Shuffle. Blue Chips, Red Chips continues talking running backs. This position has been in the news all throughout the offseason. And we have some timely news this morning to discuss with the running backs. Josh Jacobs, of course, signing with the Raiders. And now some new development in the Jonathan Taylor case. We'll also get to the rookie quarterback starting in week one after C.J. Stroud was announced as the starter last night at the conclusion of the preseason. But we have to begin with the trade that was made in the GM Shuffle time machine. This thing was just tailor-made for us, Michael <laughs> Lombardi. Trey Lance now going uh, to, the, to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what the hell it, happened over the weekend, man? <laughs> it was made for you, Femi. I mean, they knew you didn't see enough tape on Trey Lance. You felt like it was an injustice. And so they decided that Dallas and being your team, they decided mm-hmm. to give you more tape so you can watch and evaluate and you can make a decision on this. So I think this was all done on your behalf. I really do. Well, Jerry Jones said that he didn't consult with Mike McCarthy or Dak Prescott, but he failed to mention that he did consult with me beforehand. And we made sure to get Trey Lance in the building and said, all right, let's get this thing and maybe we can flip him for a day two pick in a couple of years or so. But we'll get to the Dallas side of this thing. I don't think that's their thinking. Uh I don't think that's their thinking. I I, I think this is what happens. 
Enlighten well, me. this is what happens. I mean, Jerry is the general manager, but Will McClay and the scouting staff there in Dallas, they do a really good job. They're, mm-hmm. they're very good at evaluating talent. And they had a grade on Trey Lance that was, you know, probably a it was a potential starter grade. And I think they had him in their sequence at the top of the second round, mm-hmm. which is a fairly significant grade. That's a potential starter grade. Because, you know, when you draft in somebody in the second, four-year contract, you're saying he has the potential to start. So a high potential starter, great. And I think what Jerry decided was, look, they, you know, they, they were interested in Hurts. They, they lost out on him, similar to what Philadelphia, they lost out on Russell Wilson that year, and they felt like that's haunted them ever since until they drafted Hurts. So I think he felt like, look, I don't have to pay a minimum salary to the player this year. I owe him $5 million. If we're right with the evaluation, if our guys are correct, then, you know, we're going to a really good bargain here. If we're wrong, we, you know, we wildcatted it and we put $6 million into it. Okay, we move on and we go from there. And I don't think in Jerry's world, really, that McCarthy had, would have anything to say one, one way or the other because this is all based on mm-hmm. what they graded the player and they made the deal. So... You know, we'll see. I, I mean, look, I don't think you can really attack. I don't know why Dallas is getting attacked for making the move. I yeah, mean, I don't get it. Look, you can trade down in the third round and pick up an extra fourth. Like, we make these fourth-round picks like they're absolute gold. Like, okay, they're you know, you want them and you want to hit with them, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. But you can always get a fourth-round pick. You can move five spots and get a – I mean, you can always pick up an extra fourth. It's not like it's no, oh, my God, you know – so they really have very little into it, and, and you can't redo the contract. The 49ers already paid the $2 million roster bonus. They can't do redo a rookie contract. So they're on the hook for $5 million guaranteed next year. If it works, you know, they – like, I mean, let's face it. Jerry's an oil digger. I mean, he mm-hmm. hit gold if he hits. If it's not, they go to the next well. Yeah, I mean, it's a lottery ticket. Like, that's how I interpreted it when the news came out Friday evening. I was like, hey, you're giving up a day three pick for a guy that clearly all the reports, like you mentioned, indicated that the Cowboys had a second-round grade on Trey Lance. So from a business standpoint, it makes complete sense to me. Now what happens after that with the development and all that stuff, we're going to maybe get some more preseason tape in Trey Lance in the years to come because I believe he'll be on the Cowboys for at least a couple <laughs> yeah. years. And then maybe we'll have a, have a quarterback that's developed a little bit more. You're shaking your head like it's not possible. I mean, and this is a, this, like you mentioned, this is a front office that does a really good job of evaluating talent. And clearly they thought of right. him but to some degree. Wrong. But they could but be they wrong. But they could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. And they could be wrong. I mean, they've been wrong. Everybody's wrong. We're all wrong. We all make mistakes. Like, you know, just because you get picked the third pick overall doesn't make sure you're want you're, you're great, right? I mean, Jim Plunkett was the first pick overall. You know, he got traded from New England to San Francisco for a bunch of picks and got cut. You know, and then he ended up resurrecting his career at the Oakland Raiders. I mean, look, it, you know, it, these guys, they move around. Maybe it's the best thing. Maybe it's not. I, I just mm. think, to me, I think that COVID year – in evaluation where you really didn't get a sense of it. And, you know, we know where this thing started. We know where it ended up. We'll see. I, I think it's, I think it's a worthy, I think it's, it's a worthy investment. I really, I, as much as I don't think it's going to end up where, where they hope it will, mm-hmm. I think it's worth the chance because it's the hardest position to find. And mm-hmm. the more darts you throw at the wall, if you will, the more, opportunities, calculated opportunities you take based on intelligence that you have, the better chance you have to hit. The Cowboys could be wrong 
we know the 49ers were wrong as it pertains to this Trey Lance situation, trading up those three first-round picks. And we talked about this on Thursday's podcast, and I said, hey, this goes down as probably one of the worst trades ever now that he's QB3. I think this is, puts the bow on that. Like, like this trade, giving up all those draft picks, and you can't harp on the resources and all that stuff, but that's still significant resources, and it didn't cloud what they did now. But just looking back on what happened in that draft in the lead-up, I mean, this is it, it's close to being as disastrous a trade as you'll ever see in the NFL. Well, I, I think this, you know, uh, I broke that in my new book coming out September 5th, shameless plug. Uh, I talk <laughs> about how trades are actually made. Right. Mm. And I break down all the trades. And one of the areas where you make a mistake is when you put your eyes on only one target. I got to have that guy. You know, we got to get that guy. And this was a little different because I think there was, and I don't think, I know there was a difference of opinion within the building, right? The building said, you know, Lance is athletic. We could really do some wonderful things with him. Kyle was like, I like Mac Jones. He's Matt Schwab. Matt Schaub, I can play, I can, he's going to be just like him. I know I could get him, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, and they went ahead with it. And I think to me, the more they allowed the 49ers to convince themselves that this was the guy when you're trying to when you're trying to convince yourself then you have a problem i listened to the colts broadcast the other day and jim ursay came on and said that they would have picked anthony richardson the first pick overall if they had the first pick now i don't believe that <laughs> but to me that's the kind of conviction you need when you trade up mm. that's what you need i don't believe i don't believe that to be true but what he said was the way you have to approach it. Like, you either, when you trade up to three, you can't be wondering or you can't be convinced. You, you got to know, like, I'm getting that guy. I want that guy on my team. And I think that, that the longer it went, the less certainty it became. And, you know, all the Twitter experts got involved. And all of a sudden, you, you had this, you can't trade up for Mac Jones. You got to pick Trey Lance. Well, you know, we'll see how that worked out. Well, and, and that's where I think we need to go deeper into is that from a process standpoint and team building, going up there and giving up all those assets and then while still having this debate, like to me, it feels like the debate should have been settled prior to making the move to go up to number three. It sounds like that's kind of what you're saying as well, like letting the outside noise factor in. And also when you mean the 49ers, I mean, I think you're talking about Adam Peters and John Lynch being able to convince Kyle Shanahan yeah. that Lance was the guy. But like, I feel like all of that noise and all that conversation should have been settled prior to making the move. And then when you make the move, it's all right. Here's our guy, and like barring some unforeseen circumstance happening, that's who we're going to select with the third overall pick. Like, I don't know why there was such a debate after the fact. Well, I think what happened was they moved up. You know, Kyle had his eyes on Mac Jones, and he said, okay, I'll keep an open mind on Trey Lance. And I don't think he realized the onslaught internally and externally that was going to come. It takes a lot of balls to have a conviction. I mean, you got to, I mean, like I, I, I've said this before. I wrote about it in Gridiron Genius. You know, Walsh, we're in 7-Eleven Nevada Street. Old building. You know, two stories. You can't, I mean, you couldn't move. The, no coach had his own office. We're cramped in there. He comes down to the scouting room. I'm an intern. I'm a slappy. And he says, hey, round the coaches up. we got to have a meeting. So I go to all, everybody's office. The coach wants to have a meeting back in the uh, quarterback room. And it was kind of a room. It had two desks in there. Holmgren was in there, Bob McKittrick. Saw, and then there was a back room. And so we all like line up in there. I don't know why we didn't go to the conference room. And so Walsh walks in and says, look, I got a chance to, to take a, a trade for Steve Young. 
it's going to take, I think, a fourth-round pick, and it's going to take Eddie DeBarlo's money. Every, what's everybody's thing? Anybody uh, in favor of this? Nobody raised their hand. Okay. Nobody. Walsh got pissed off. Michael, come here. We leave the room. He says, these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. He's doing the airport at X amount of time. Pick him up. And I go pick him up. And when I bring him in the building, everybody's like, oh, my God, he's wearing he's wearing he he's wearing cowboy boots. He's too short. Look, he's trying to wear cowboy boots to make him seem taller. You know, it was like everybody was against it. And it's not fair to be critical of the coaches who are against it because Mm -hmm. they love Joe. They didn't want any competition for Joe. Right. They Mm -hmm. were going to protect Joe's turf. But Walsh wasn't going to listen to what they said. He knew they had an agenda. And I relayed that story to Kyle. I told him that story when he was going through the process of talking about who he's going to pick, Mac Jones or or that. And I think he just got himself into a situation where maybe he was convinced. Maybe he was completely convinced. But I just know his father and his instincts when it comes to quarterbacks are pretty good. Well, now they've kind of made a decision And they're showing some conviction now with this, and we'll have this conversation more on the other side as well. But by trading Trey Lance, obviously at the early point of this offseason, like right in March, they said Brock Purdy's going to be our starting quarterback. And they went ahead and signed Sam Darnold as an insurance policy with Brock Purdy coming off of the elbow surgery. If this thing doesn't work out with Brock Purdy and he turns into the pumpkin and and the clock strikes midnight and Sam Darnold remains the turnover-prone quarterback that he's been in his career – the, the pressure cooker is going to heat up here for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and the whole brass over there in San Francisco. Yeah, but 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 Femi Lance wasn't going to save him out of that. It was only going to no. the, give him credit for making the move that they made. I mean, they actually got rid of they they made a decision. I mean, they they thoroughly vetted Lance and they decided that's not where we're going. Now, the Purdy's better. Maybe Purdy does. Maybe you know Cinderella's slipper doesn't fit. I don't know. Maybe he reverts back. But they've made it. Like there's no sense in this. They made the call. They watched the tape. They've seen them. I I told you this two weeks before it was going to happen. I think most GM Shuffler listeners want to know is when do you buy your Trey Lance jersey? I don't think they're selling those things yet. <laughs> At least not yet. Oh, they're selling them. Jerry's going to sell them. I mean, you know, I just can't wait for you to come in one day with that. I can't wait for that. I mean, how am I going to be excited it's about the guy? It's going to be McCarthy's fault. When, when the kid doesn't play good, it's going to be McCarthy. McCarthy has no chance to win. I mean, the poor guy, he has no chance. We'll, we'll wrap him up more on this Trey Lance Dallas thing on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus 
for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. Kyle Shanahan is convinced 1,000% that Trey Lance is a lost cause at quarterback. And we'll see if he's right. We'll see if he's right. But I just I just know that if, if you're going to give up on a guy, so, I, I, you're, you're smiling and laughing about it. But, I mean. Well, like, because you make it sound like they just they, they made, like, this impulsive decision. Like, they're not at a shopping counter and they just didn't buy, like, the, the candy at the counter. Oh, we better get this and put it in our bag. Like, they vetted this. Like, they went through it. Like, they're in meetings, they had study, they knew what's going on. I mean, this is, like, they're not a, they're a billion-dollar industry. Like, they just didn't, you know, go through this. And, and it's always so funny because the people that are judging the decision don't even remotely know one-third about what it takes to play quarterback in the NFL. They don't even realize it. You know, they don't even have a clue. So you got basically the clueless evaluating the decision, you know, and and the information that Kyle's had, I mean, look, if anything, they probably waited too long. Like, I think. Waited too long. I've said this to you before. Yeah. I mean, after that Houston preseason game, it was over. When they had to bring Jimmy back after telling Jimmy we're trading him, and they had to bring Jimmy back, That's pr- that was a pretty big admission. I mean, give the 49ers credit in this thing. They have admitted, and I think it's a, I think it's a tribute to their organization, that they've admitted They've made a mistake, and and that is the greatest thing you can do because we all make them. We all make them. It's when you kind of cling to them and you won't let them go. You know, you, you, that's where you get into trouble. Look, they're not the only franchise. I, I mean, I, I wrote about it in my book, my new book. I mean, the Green Bay Packers trade for John Hato and give up a one and a two. I mean, they give up, you know, Minnesota trades for Herschel Walker and gives up the ranch. I mean, teams have made this, but when you hang on to them, it compounds the problem. And I know you need to see more. I know that. I understand that. Yeah. And, well, you, you mentioned that teams move on. Yeah, teams move on all the time. But we talked about the stat from Thursday that this is Trey Lance is the first top five pick to only play in eight games with the team that drafted him. That's the fewest amount of games in the common draft era, which dates all the way Shows back to 1967. Shows you how far away yeah. it really is, Tommy. Yeah, apparently, Shane I mean, just if needs he one right. He couldn't get from practice to the field. He couldn't get from practice to the game. That's just how far away he is. And fairness to the kid. And and this and look, I think this thing serves two purposes. It takes the cloud away from the Niners. There's no more discussion because I've never seen a team that's as good as the 49ers that is was dominated by who's going to be the backup quarterback. Like it's an obsession. And those players in the locker room, you think that you think do you think they wanted to keep hearing about Trey Lance? Are you kidding me? I mean, they're probably walking around the room saying this dude's a, this dude isn't going to play for us, and we're and all they want to do is talk about him. Like, how about talking about the players that are here? Yeah, or maybe the players who aren't there, meaning Nick Bosa. <laughs> I mean, we start asking yeah, questions that's the about one. that. They should be. Yeah, they got two weeks to get him signed. I'm sure they will. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I mean, like the sample size argument for me is just that. I don't think it's enough to make a decision like that. They clearly think it's enough. My opinion doesn't matter. Their opinion is the one that counts. They traded him. But 
I just like I find it hard to believe, and maybe I'm the fool here, but I find it hard to believe that in just eight games featured and four starts, you can 100% have conviction that a guy can't play. Like that's that's just where I'm coming from. Well, you, it's not eight games. Count how many days he's been in the building. That's but he's the but evaluation. He, I mean, he's been hurt half the time though. I but mean, that's last the evalu- year you got it. You got to. Pa- it's like you got to pass tests to get to the next test. L- last year they don't just give you that. But he but he wasn't practicing last year. So 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 like you talk about the practice film. Where where are the he reps? He was practicing last hurt? summer. Well, that was because he got hurt. It was practicing yeah. last summer. He practiced before that Bears game. You watch that. Yeah, he practiced in that before preseason game before the forty nine before in the preseason. You watch that with Lovey Smith Stephen. You watch that. So I guess a, a year and change worth of practice and and four starts is enough. I guess all right. Well, hey, you know that's. That's it's the Niners are it's their prerogative. I and, think you know you you can know you'll know. I mean that's what this is the same rhetoric people use with Josh Rosen. Oh, you got to give him more time. How'd that work out? Well, how did it work out for the Buffalo Bills who gave Josh Allen more time when he looked like a disaster? But Josh in those Allen first went couple in there and started eleven games. Josh Allen went in there and started eleven games and it was easy to identify. I mean, his first year in the league, he missed open receivers twenty five percent of the time. Last mm-hmm. year, he was down to 16%. You could see the pr- improvement he needed to make. You could see it. You could see he, was, he helped them win games. You could see it. You, you couldn't see this. I mean, you said 11 games versus I mean, whatever. We've had the sample he, size he, discussion. Because he was able to play in them, Femi. I don't know what's so hard for you to understand. Like, you got to keep playing in them. Like, you, durability, reliability, all those things matter in the evaluation. Like, okay, we're just going to leave you over here and you don't have to play, but when we get time to play the game, we'll put you in. Like, no. Like, you got to you got to earn the right to play. You got to prove it. Like, that's what's going on this week here. You got to be able to prove that you can play in the league. You got to prove it. You can't stand up in front of the team and say, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to put this guy in that they know he can't play." You can't fool that locker room. Do you hear one player do you hear one player coming out of San Francisco that's repeating the rhetoric that you're repeating? Of course you're not. They know. What do you think Jimmy Garoppolo said when he heard this? He's watched it. Give him true serum one day. <laughs> one day you and I will go out with Jimmy, you know, and we'll sit down and we'll have this conversation, yeah. you know, long ago and far <laughs> away. And we'll see what he has to say. No. Come on. We'll be at Esther's Kitchen together. We'll go out and go to dinner. My, my, I hope so. I mean, I'll eat 17 <laughs> loaves of bread in there, but at least we'll be there. I, I just – the reason why I'm not no, giving the Niners credit – let's go credit, on to the next thing. You can, no, I can't I'm, get I'm, this through you. I cannot. I'm, I'm this not, is like – You want to give them credit. I'm not giving them credit when we knew he was a developmental guy and they didn't want to let him develop. Like, that. That you don't get credit for me. Like he didn't wake up and say, oh, I've never played again. Like, you don't get credit for that. That's – but let's move on to the running They backs. tried, Femi. They tried. Trust yeah, me. Well – all right. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, he's trying. He's trying to get a new contract. And we have now seen the deadline coming up tomorrow on the team-imposed deadline for him to seek a trade partner and get a new deal. Well, we've had a couple reports, one of them coming from ESPN, Stephen Holder, who covers the team. And this was the tweet that he had just moments ago. I'm going to bring it up here. He said that, Talks continue, and as expected, this will go down to the wire. One tidbit, I believe there'd be a second team involved beyond the Dolphins, which would certainly change the dynamics. That is from ESPN's Stephen Holder about 30 minutes ago. Uh, What's the latest here in this deal, and do you think that something gets done between now and tomorrow's deadline? 
It sounds to me like Stephen Holder's working for the agent because I'm told by everybody that I talk to in the league that it's very, very quiet. There's like not a lot going on here. There's not a big, you know, first of all, let me put things in real perspective here. Nobody wants your problems. Nobody wants to trade for your problems. Your problems are your problems. They're documented. They're out there. Taylor didn't play well last year. Concern. Taylor's not a great pass protector. Concern. Taylor cost him fumbled. Concern. Is he a good player? Great player. Runs the ball really well. Mm-hmm. But now you're asking me to take on this malcontent. You want me to give you you want me to pay the Colts to take on this malcontent, and then you want me to reward the player for coming off a shitty season. Okay, coming off a shitty season, and you want me to reward him with a 15, 16, make him the highest paid running back in the league. I don't think that's there's not a, that's not a long line of people lined up to sign up for that. Like that's not. That's not like the the Browns Donuts on Second Street here in Ocean City at seven o'clock. That line goes down the block. Like that ain't that line ain't happening. It just ain't happening. So there's somebody putting the spin out there. I saw today Schefter said the Bears aren't involved. Were they ever? Like I don't think Ballard's phone's ringing off the wall. I think the agents telling people there's teams out there, but it seems really quiet to me. If this, if this was as close as Holder has indicated, going back to Thursday, there would have been something done by now. Mm. Okay. But I don't get the sense. I think what's happening is the agent's probably telling Ballard, telling teams, we'll wear Ballard down, we'll wear him down. We're going to be such a problem, he'll want nothing to do with us. Okay, great. But if you understand the league, that's one of the things, Al Davis, when, when Gruden was always – trying to get traded to another team or, you know, he's going to Ohio State, he was going to Notre Dame, he's going here. You know, he was making it – everybody thought he was making it uncomfortable for Al. No, Al, Al enjoyed being uncomfortable. He really likes it. He liked it. And in these situations, you have to enjoy being uncomfortable because if, if, if you get paranoid and you get reactionary, then they got you. But if you're, if you're good at being uncomfortable, they, you have them. They can't control it. If I'm Ballard, I'm saying, look, Tuesday, 4 o'clock, you got nothing here? Okay, we'll see. When you're ready to take a physical and you think you could pass, we'd love to have you on the team. If not, here you'll be on PUP for six weeks. Here's your times to work out. Here's your times to come in to get rehab. We'll see you then, and in six weeks, we'll evaluate you. But for right now, why don't you stay away from the team, and let's see how this works next year, how long that line is to pay you $17 million after you've had two shitty seasons. We'll see how that works. I'll still get a compensatory third for you because if you get this big contract, I got it. So the next time we do this podcast will be Thursday. Do you think we get the announcement that Jonathan Taylor's on PUP for the first five weeks of the season? Or does he come back and come to some sort of an agreement with the Colts there on an extension that is a little bit less than what he was hoping for? Well, I think they sent him an olive branch. I mean, I think Jim Irsay tried to do that. We had Rick Venturi on the show the other day, and he he even mentioned that. I, I think he'll end up on P- – no, Tuesday's the day for PUP. they got to mm-hmm. make a decision on PUP by tomorrow. I think he ends up on PUP. Like, the world's moving on without Jonathan Taylor. Like, it, it, it's going to move on. Yeah. It's going to keep moving, man. And it's going to continue to move because last year he was the 24th back in the National Football League in terms of statistical data, right? You know, mm-hmm. he had three fumbles. He, he he didn't play very – played in 11 games, you know. And so, look, does every – would you want him on your team? Yeah, I'd like him on the team. However, however, 
I don't want a moody guy. I don't want a malcontent on my team. So life goes on. They'll find another back. There'll be a there'll be a zillion backs cut. Look, Deontay Foreman, he was good for the he was good last year. You know, look at Tyler Algier. I bet you Atlanta will trade Tyler Algier for probably what? They got to get Bijan Robinson on the field. I mean, Algier had a hell of a season last year. He averaged almost five yards a carry. How can they keep playing him? Maybe they'll trade him on a rookie contract. Well, Arthur Smith loves Algier, so I think it might take a little bit more to, to go ahead and just, give him I up. used yeah. him but as yeah, an yeah. example because, yeah. to me, there's the, the, he, you're replaceable. You're good. We love you, but you're replaceable. Yeah, and, and to be honest, whether Taylor's elite or if he's bad, it's probably not going to help the Colts go ahead and get to the playoffs. Like, I don't think that's going to be the difference here for the Indianapolis Colts. They're going to need other factors to go ahead and ultimately be a good team as it pertains to this, this season. We'll continue the running back discussion because we got blue chips, red chips coming up, and the top guy is coming back for the silver and black. That's next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, we got the news over the weekend that Josh Jacobs and the Las Vegas Raiders have come to an agreement on a one-year contract worth up to $12 million, has a base salary of $11.8 million. And, Michael, this is the first time in 30 years of the franchise tag that a player has gotten a one-year deal with a base value higher than what the tender is, the tender being $10.091 million for the running back. So Josh Jacobs, who we figured that the closer we got to the regular season, they'll come to some sort of an agreement. Either he'd sign the tender or they'd work something out like how the Giants did with Saquon Barkley. And here it is. Jacobs is back here for the silver and black, ready to go for week one of the regular season. Well, it just shows you not all negotiations have to be hostile, right? Mm. Look, Josh Jacobs has proven to them when they, when they first came in, when the new regime, when Josh McDaniels and the new regime came in, you know, they weren't sure about who Josh Jacobs was. Did he love football? What? Well, they found out that he's a he's a competitor, loves the game, plays hurt, really talented, can do more in the passing game. I mean, they wanted to sign him. I mean, he's sitting in the car with Max Crosby thinking he's going to get an extension. And I think this contract's reflective of how they want to keep him on the team. Like, it doesn't have to be hostile. But when you want to change the market, when you want to change the market from $12 million a year 
to 17 like Jonathan Taylor wants to do, then you're being unrealistic. Like, we can't find a way to meet in the middle. Like, look, there's a reason he's at $12 million because he's as good as – and we're going to find this out. We're going to do the blue chips next year. Mm-hmm. He, he's the best back in the league last year. He was the best back in the league. Average 4-9 a carry, 97 yards a game. You know, he 340 carries. You know, started 17 games. He was great, right? Did everything you needed to do. Plus, I think they found out how good he really is in the passing game. His hands are excellent. And he can pass protect. He's a dog in there. He can really step up and play. He's better than Jonathan Taylor while blocking. So to me, that they are going to expand his game, and I think they 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 found out about him, and so they said, okay, you're you're as good as Nick Chubb, better maybe. We're going to pay you just what Nick Chubb got. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the market. How come they didn't want to do a long term extension at this number, at this twelve and change number here? Like, let's get give him a three year. Well, you don't year know for, that. Oh. Okay. You don't know that. You know they they obviously offered him a deal. Now they said they weren't close. I mean, I know there's some Vegas reporters that said they weren't close. Mm-hmm. If they weren't close, what's he doing sitting in the car in the parking lot? Like he probably should have signed that contract. Probably was more than 12 a year. I would suspect it was. I don't know what it was. But I think listening to what Mark Davis said about the kid, they wanted to pay him. Did they want to pay him 15? No. This is the problem. See, it's 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 hard to justify this whole deal because nobody wants to stay within the market. They want to just blow the market out of the water. Well, you're not going to do that. There's too many of them. There's just too many. They want to pay you. They want to pay you 12, but you can't make the market. It's like you want to sell your house for $5 million and your neighborhood's selling every house for $3 million. You're not going to get it. And. To your point here, so Josh Jacobs, if he is tagged again next season, he would be on track to earn about $25.96 million over those two years. So uh, you're saying that maybe he was offered something in the, was it 13 range per year on, on, on a I, I don't know what he was, or? but I have a hunch he was probably offered probably this type of deal. Mm. Like, why wouldn't you do it? And I'm sure with pretty good guarantee. Look, Henry's a great player. He's at 12. Like, they're all right at 12. Yeah, McCaffrey's yeah. the exception. He's he's the outlier to the deals. You're not, not not a lot of guys are better than Nick Chubb. He's at $12 million a year. I think Jacobs had a better year than Chubb did last year. I think Chubb's great. I mean, the guy averaged five yards a carry. But when you look at it, you know, Chubb was at almost 90 yards per game. And, and uh, Jacobs was at 97 yards per game. I mean... That's a big difference. I mean, Jacobs carried the ball 38 more times. So is the McCaffrey deal, is that equivalent to what the Watson deal is for quarterbacks? Is that like where this is just like the, the owners and like the, the franchises are seeing this? Hey, that is an outlier contract. That is not what the market is. This is actually what the market is. Watson, we all, everybody was mad when he got the fully guaranteed deal. Nobody's been able to get up to that ever since he signed that. Is like the McCaffrey deal kind of the same for the running back position? Yeah, I think it is, and he was, and he, and it, and had he stayed at, and he stayed at Carolina, it would have been a disaster. It wasn't working. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working because he needs to be the luxury item on the showroom. I mean, he's great at San Francisco because he's a positionless player. He can play in the slot. He can play in the backfield. It works in that offense. When he was the lead back, it don't work there. They got actually better when they traded him because they could give the ball to Foreman. They didn't have to run the offense through him. McCaffrey's not a guy you run the offense through. He accelerates the offense. Mm. Whereas like Jacobs, you can run the offense through Jacobs. Henry, you have to run the offense through him. Chubb can run the offense through him. Barkley, the problem with Barkley is you can't really run the offense through him because he's not a great pass protector. 
Well, let's talk about some of these running backs that you can run the offense through as we begin our blue chips, red chips discussion on the position that has grabbed a lot of the headlines throughout this offseason. We'll start with your red chips list here, and the red chip running backs are as follows. Austin Eckler for the Chargers, Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots, Aaron Jones for the Packers, Saquon Barkley of the Giants, and Travis Etienne as the Jaguars. What's the difference between these guys and the guys that you like up and the blue chip side of things? Well, I mean, look, I think ATN's a rising star, and I think so is Stevenson, and both of them can impact the passing game, which I think could make them higher value, which is what Aaron Jones does. Mm -hmm. I think Barkley's just so good as a runner. If he were better in the passing game in terms of protection and his hands and could run different routes, it could be. And Eckler's, to me, I, 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 just, I wasn't sure whether to put Eckler. I think Eckler's a blue chip. I put him in the red chip. He's so good. 36 touchdowns, you know, but Eckler's a little bit, Eckler's like McCaffrey in a sense that he's a wonderful luxury item. You don't want to run the whole, you don't want to wear him down over 17 games. If he had another back that could run with him in the backfield, he would be more dynamic. I think ATNs could be a star. I think in that offense with Calvin Ridley now, I think they're going to be really good. And, you know, look, get, get, give Urban Meyer credit. He, ATM was the gift that, that he gave them. That yeah. might be the best thing about the Urban Meyer administration. <laughs> Stevenson is be. a good player, and I, I think you're going to get more out of him. The Patriots will get more out of him in the passing game. But to me, these blue-chip guys were guys that – I put McCaffrey in there because he just makes the game so difficult in terms of this offense that they run in San Francisco – and he's so good at running routes in the slot. He's he's a slot receiver. He could be Hunter Renfro, and then he can be a running back. Now, he's got to stay healthy. I mean, that last year was the first year he's been durable in three years. Right? And Chubb, to me, is dynamic. He doesn't get tired. He can close the game out. I think Pollard was a star last year. I think Pollard's an explosive play waiting to happen. Yeah, I think you might be higher on Tony Pollard than I am. I I think in my own personal list, which I have not drawn out, but I think I'd have had Pollard as like a red chip guy. I, I just want to see it as with him being the bell cow. And this is the first year you this that we're going to see it. This you and this seeing it. I love this. Imagine that. I love it. I mean, for imagine, me that watches four imagine, games at one time. Imagine wanting I've evidence. I've never seen a guy who needs to see it. <laughs> I've never seen a guy who needs to see it. Like the guy was <laughs> like the guy changes field position. He's an explosive he play is. every time he touches the ball. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 mean, I don't I'm know not what you I, need to see. I'm not like saying it. I don't like him. <laughs> he's a really good player. I just he's oh he was the compliment to Ezekiel Elliott. Now he's the guy. In he the was not the compliment to Zeke. Zeke was the well, compliment to him. That's where I think you misconstrue it. Like Zeke, he was the he could do everything, and he could be McCaffrey. I mean, you could line this guy up in the slot. You could put him outside the numbers. I mean, there's a lot you can do with this guy. This guy's a weapon. Now he's got to stay healthy. You yeah. know, coming off that injury. But, you know, it's like and, – and the two guys that missed, I, I had Taylor as a missed and Kamara. I love Kamara's game, I, but I didn't think Kamara was the same back last year that he's typically been over 17 games. You know, he's hurt last year a little bit. He's going to miss three games this year. Do I think he could rise above? Yeah. I think the best of the best last year you have to give it to Jacobs. Not because yeah. my son's there or because the Raiders. I just think when you look at those numbers, 340 rushes – what he can do in the passing game, I think he's the best back. Last year, he was the mm -hmm. best back, and I think he and Chubb are really close. Yeah, well, Jacobs led the league in rushing last year, so no arguments from me here on Josh Jacobs. Uh, but yeah, is Josh well, you Jacobs probably is need the... to see more, I'm sure. Well, we saw Probably it. need to see more in Jacobs, too. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just said he led the league in rushing. I saw it last year. So I, I would have <laughs> liked you to have been in the room. I would have liked for you to have been in the room when we, we put on the Charles Haley tape. 
mm-hmm. and Bill Walsh watched Haley line up at outside linebacker at James Madison playing against Georgia Southern, and Tracy Ham was the quarterback, and Tracy Ham took the hand, took the snap, started to run the wing bone, went down the line. Haley tackles him. He's on his back. Ham pitches the ball to the running back. Haley leaves Ham, tackles the running back, four-yard loss. Bill turns off the projector and looks at everybody in the room. Do we need to see any more? You would have been the guy in the room. Yes, coach, I need to see more. I need to see more of Charles Haley. There's no way we're taking him. You would have been that guy. Charles Haley, he's, he's near and dear to my heart, man. That trade from the Niners to the Cowboys went ahead and helped Dallas win three Super Bowls over the next four years. Maybe another trade from the Niners that, to the Cowboys that, can that's launch also, another I dynasty. I talk about that in the new book, too. <laughs> that, that, that trade is yeah. when, you make, when you make it emotional. See, that's exactly that trade there is the perfect example of the Jonathan Taylor. You can't do it. Mm. That, what I call that trade is we got to get this asshole out of the building. Right, we got to get this asshole out of the building. So you just say you got to get rid of him. And I regret this deeply because John McVeigh, who I love tremendously, God yeah. rest his soul, he called me and I was in Cleveland. He said, "Hey, here's your boy. You you got him here. You want him?" And I think it was '92, and we were not mm-hmm. very good. And you know, and shit, Al Davis mf'd me to no end when I when I I mean he. You had a chance to trade for that, and you didn't do it. Do you understand? He shifts the game for you. He was right, you know. But yeah. it was like timing and all that. You know, you overthink things. But but that trade, I got to get this asshole out of the building. That's when you make the worst trades. Yeah, you, you wrote about this in the football done right. Yep. There we go. No, I, I can't wait to read that because yeah, that's it, it. Shifted the balance of power in the NFC, and the Cowboys went ahead and had that's, a lot of success there. That's what Al, Al when Al Davis called me. I could still remember I was in my office in Cleveland. He called my private number, and he ripped me to no end. And I wasn't even working for him at the time. <laughs> I wasn't even working for him at the time. I'm sure you enjoyed that. And, and it, was a, it was a rip to educate me. It was yeah. a way to educate me. And it was the best thing I needed to hear. I mean, he was right. Last question here on the running backs. What do you think is the future of the position? Like, like, do you think that we're going to start to value more pass catching and pass protecting than we do actually running the football? Like, where does this go 10 years from now? You know, last week I was in Arizona, and they have a really good running back, Michael Wiley, number six. He's really good. He's a good running back. He's got really good hands. He, he, I was watching tape, and he came into the room, and he asked me, like, what can I do? And I, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what I told him. If I'm a running back in college, I want to work with the wide receivers every mm-hmm. single day. Not that, I don't, not that I want to be a receiver, but I want to run routes like a pro receiver. I want to, and I, and all I, I want to run a sail route. I want to run a, a, a snag. I want to be able to run routes. If I can run routes, my value goes way up. That's why Pollard's so good, and I know you need to see more of them. But that's why. You need to run routes. (laughs) We're going to see these rookie quarterbacks up and coming in week one. We'll talk about it next. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You 
You know, I thought that was an interesting point that you brought up there with the University of Arizona running back as we were heading to break. And, and maybe it's Bijan Robinson that looks like the future of the running back position because he's everybody lauded about his pass catching ability coming out of the University of Texas. And the Falcons plan to use him as a wide receiver and as a weapon that we've talked about all throughout the offseason. So uh, I'm just interested to see how these running backs try to pr- improve what their value is. And maybe it is in the passing game and running routes like wide receivers here. Uh well, I think we, we we don't understand because mm-hmm. we don't t- people don't educate us with the television as they do. But when you have when you have the receiver, okay. So let's say you're at San Francisco and you're in eleven personnel with Kittle, the tight end, and you've got Ayuk and you've got Samuel in the slot and you've got another receiver outside and McCaffrey's the running back, right? Mm-hmm. So now you take McCaffrey and you put him in the slot and you move Debo to the to the wide risk to the running back position. Mm-hmm. Okay. Simple exchange. We just we call that, you know, eleven exchange. Okay. For the defense, if they're playing man, the linebacker has or somebody in the nickel has McCaffrey. So now he's got to go line up over at the slot and the corner has to go back into the box. How do we fit that? What do we do? What's our rules? What do we change? It's a simple move, right? Mm -hmm. But what did Einstein say about intelligence? You know, the highest level of intelligence is simplicity. Being able to make something simple complex, right? And that's what they do. And so when you're a receiver that can do that, you think it's for the fans at home, it's, oh, they just swapped it. But all of a sudden now the rules of the defense have to plan and you've got to go through it. Okay, how are we handling this? If McCaffrey's in the slot, here's where we're going to handle him. Okay, now what happens if they take McCaffrey and they put him outside you, Ayuk, and now he's outside the numbers, and Debo's the back? How do we handle that? Right? How mm-hmm. do we handle that? What are we going to do when Debo and Samuel are both, when Debo and, and McCaffrey are both in the backfield at the same time? How are we handling that? You see, these, all these situations, this is what happens when you can substitute Without substituting, you put so much pressure on the defense to go through it, challenge their rules, how are we handling it, cause confusion, right? How did why motion ever occur in the National Football League, right? How did we ever see why motion? I, can I tell you how why motion happened? I wrote about please, this in the book, too. Please do. So Bob Trumphy, the, remember the broadcaster Bob Trumphy? He was playing for the Bengals, and they called L formation or whatever they called it, and he went the wrong way. And he went, so he lined up at left. He was supposed to be right. So halfway through the snap count, he realized, oh, fuck, I'm in the wrong spot. So he, he gets out of his stance. He motions over, and he comes down there. Perfectly legal. And Walsh watches the tape, and he sees five different people move around because of Y motion. And he tells the staff, we need to put Y motion in now. It was accidental. It was <laughs> That's accidental. Crazy. That's a hell it of a story. It was accidental. Right? So you got to be able to so, – so this is why it's so hard. You know, now what happens is – here's what happens. Why doesn't all the teams do it? Well, because if you go put Jonathan Taylor, he doesn't run routes like that. So you really don't give a shit. Like if they want to waste him out there, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Like go ahead, do it, right? I don't care. He can't – he can only run two routes. You want to put Barkley out away from the numbers? What routes he running? Like I don't care. Like, I don't have to spend much time on it because he can't hurt me. But McCaffrey can hurt me. Mm. Eckler can hurt me, right? So, like, all that's where it becomes, if you have receiving skills, Ron Wolf did this, we did this. Whenever we graded a receiver in Cleveland, 
that was a running back in high school, he always got a green dot on the card. Why? Because he knew what to do with the ball when it was in his hands. Like Brandon Cooks, your receiver at Dallas, he's one of the worst runners with the ball in his hands you're ever going to find. Like, he's, you know, he's a good receiver. He can get open. He can catch the ball. But he's not aware on how to run with it once he gets it. Where some of the guys that have played running back that know how to run with it, they're better receivers. I mean, Debo was a running back. I yeah. mean, he set the state record in South Carolina for kickoff returns. I mean, so that's what makes the game complex. And so you're sitting there and you want to play man, right? Well, Sean McVay, what is Sean, what's Sean McVay's, one of his tidbits of all time? Sean McVay always would, you know, he's on the headset with golf and they break the huddle. And he's looking to see if the corners are staying inside. Why? Why would the corners stay inside the formation? Because they're in man coverage and they got to find out who they're covering when the huddle breaks. They don't want to go right. They don't want to go to the defensive left because the the receiver they're covering may go to the other side. So they stay in the middle. So when he sees that, he tells Goff, hey, we're in, they got man. They're playing inside. They're in man. They're in man. So we'll just figure this out. We'll sort it through. Right? Now, if they're in zone, they line up where they're going to line up. Yeah. When the huddle breaks. You follow me? Mm Mm-hmm. When you have this maneuvering of players without maneuvering, it's a completely different game. It's a completely different game. And so it's hard on the defense. And so the advantage that the running backs have is if they can impact the passing game in terms of the routes, in terms of the effectiveness of pressuring the defense, then you become a different player. Pollard, oh, fuck, he's out there. Oh, shit, who's got him? If we put a corner on him, they know we're in zone. We got to make sure. How do we handle this? What's our matchups? That's the game within the game. We don't. We're not. Ta- we don't talk about this because nobody really under. Nobody wants to talk about because they don't really understand it. And the coaches don't explain it to the broadcasters because it's too. Co- it's too complicated. I honestly like that story about why we get why motion. That, that that's an all timer. <laughs> just a, just a simple mistake, it's, and now it's changed the way the game is played. Do you you remember, I I don't know if you remember this play, but there used to be, it was run a lot more. North Turner would run, the quarterback takes the snap from center, and he turns to his right like he's going to hand the ball off to the right side, and but the back's running left, and they turn around and give it to the left, Mm. right? Yep. And so as soon as the quarterback opens up, the linebacker goes over the top, and so now the back can cut back. Well, that happened in practice one day. The quarterback took the wrong way, and they thought, oh, shit, that's pretty good. We got movement out of him. That's mm. how cr- shit's created in the NFL. Well, wait a minute. That, that works. I'll give you another one. Like, you know, like they ran – there's a thing called voided screens. Green Bay, Green Bay ran one some in the preseason game. What's a voided screen? A voided screen is – you running a screen to the right, but the tight end is crossing or a receiver's crossing. So the quarterback knows that if they eat the screen up in man coverage and, the, and they're on it, he can throw the crosser, right? But how did that come into play? That came into play because they saw it one day at practice. I think it was the Holmgren staff. They saw it at practice. Like they're running screen and, you know, the, the, the tight end just kept going across. Nobody covered them because everybody read screen. Well, throw it to him. We're not downfield. Hmm. 
it's 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 almost it's kind of similar to chefs when when like they're they're making like a, a dish and it's like oh I, let, let me just get creative and try something this and like this might not work and then all of a sudden you come up with an excellent recipe out of a simple mistake and now in, in football it's like these mistakes that have happened in the practice field it changes your offense and all of a sudden you start doing that and that's the chess on grass right. that we talk about with football so right because you're challenging the rules right yeah. every defense has rules every defense has if you do this we do that. Every defense is okay. It's predicated on here's what we have to do, you know. And and if you attack the rules and you know the rules, that's why if you're an offensive coach, whether you're a high school offensive coach or a college offensive coach that listens to this podcast, you spend more time understanding the origin and the value of the defense more than what mm-hmm. plays are we going to run. Beaters, and I write about this too, beaters are not what you do. Beaters are just – that looks good on paper. Attacking mm-hmm. the coverages, the schemes, that's how you move the ball effectively. That's what's going to happen when the Jets – if you block the Jets front, right, they're so simple in the back end because uh, Salah's never really changed it, and they really don't have great rules within their system. So when you attack them, they'll run Pete Carroll's cover three. Mm-hmm. You, you, you understand how to do it. It's a replacement. Once you clear and bring somebody through, that they don't have a guy for that guy. That's why New England – look at New England's numbers. Look at Josh McDaniel's numbers against the Pete Carroll three. It's if you can block them up front. If you can't block them up front, Pete Carroll three, so you, you, you're going to have yeah, a hard time. It's over. But yeah. if you can block them up front, why did we win 49? We won 49 because they got tired in the fourth quarter. We could move the ball. We scored two touchdowns in the fourth. Hmm. You think about Josh McDaniel's offense against the Carroll three there. I mean, look at the Raiders-Niners game from last year. When you saw, like, the Niners defense was the number one defense in the league. Jared Stidham starting, and they absolutely moved the ball up and down the field in that game. And Because he understands the origin of the defense. He understands how to attack it, you know, and he knows what what gives him – he knows. That's why the matchups of the coordinators are so important. Vic Fangio going against – Going against Kellen Moore, you know? I mean, Kellen Moore and Staley, they I mean, I saw today they were giving interviews. I saw a video of them all that talking about it. Like, like that's really just more fuel for Vic. Mm. He's gonna watch that. Uh, before we wrap up here, obviously we want to acknowledge, of course, CJ Stroud can be the starting quarterback week one for the Houston Texans. We figured that was gonna happen. So all three of those rookies who went in the first round are going to start. But in the last couple minutes here, what are teams doing right now? Because the cut-down day is tomorrow. That is Tuesday. I believe it's 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific time when teams have to declare their 53. What are teams doing right now in the lead-up to that now that the preseason games are over? Oh, they're working the phones saying, hey, we're going to cut this guy. Would you be interested? Uh, you know, would you make this? I mean, I think there'll be 25. Usually there's 25. There's a bunch of trades. There's 25 mm-hmm. to 30 claims that happen. You know, we want to get this guy to our practice squad. What are we going to do? You know, we got to count this guy who's hurt on our roster, then put him on IR. We'll bring a guy back. You'll see a lot of veterans get cut, vested veterans, because they're free immediately, and then they'll get re-signed. So you use those veterans for spots. I think the interesting thing in the next day or so is going to be what happens at the kicker position. Mm. Like San Francisco's kickers, you know, they're hurt. They might have to carry two. Cleveland. They're kicking situation. Cade York's been a disaster. He's playing army kicking, right, left, right, left, right, left. So it's hard. What are they going to do? And what has history has shown us, Sammy, is that these kickers, Carlson, drafted by the Vikings, cut on practice. Raiders get him, great kicker. Elliott, Eagles, cut. Eagles claim him, get him after they had a guy hurt. 
I think that's uh, Caleb Sturgis got hurt. They put him in there. Boom, they got a kicker. Buckner, take him from Carolina. They drafted him, cut him, take him off a practice squad. Now they got a great kicker. If you give up on these kickers too early, it could cost you. Yeah, that's a, a Kate York situation in Cleveland hasn't looked good, but kicking it almost is like a confidence thing. And like sometimes guys get into a little bit of a rut, but then if you come out of it, you can be better off and have one of the best kickers in the league like the Raiders do with Daniel Carlson. That does it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to DraftKings. More to film Vison. for Femi. More Femi's film for me. Watching. Well, that's, that's why we got two weeks until the regular season. I'm going to break it all down. Michael, I will talk to you on Thursday. We're going to talk Blue Chips, Red Chips coaches here on the GM Shuffle.